1: Are you ready for some high adventure? Coming up next on the Mutual Audio Network.
2: The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult.
3: If you're interested in helping out, but you missed our fundraiser, no problem. Head over to our website, NeonShadowsPod.com, and either click on the floating coffee mug to buy us a coffee, or go to Patreon.com NeonShadowsPod. So you're saying Roderick Davis hasn't been your marshal for a few years? Nah.
2: He checks in from time to time because he's still friends with some of the guys. What about you? You chummy with Davis? Nah. He rubs me the wrong way. Why is that? For starters, he's a racist asshole. But more importantly, I can't trust him. That fella would sell his soul for an extra nickel. Not the kind of guy you want keeping the city safe. Hell, most marshals will even jump in to help fight a fire but not Roddy. He's always on the sidelines. People say he's
3: cursed anyways. Cursed? I gotta hear this.
2: Yeah, like I said he mostly sits on his ass but he gets away with it. Reason is, every time he gets too involved in an emergency bad stuff happens. We lose a guy, fire spreads you name it. So we all figured it's best leaving him to his sedentary life.
3: I picked the most honest looking firefighter to grill about Davis. He happened to be the lieutenant, Lieutenant Wise. Younger guy, but old enough to be around with the last
2: generation. Uh, Wish I could be of more help. What's this for anyways?
3: Well, I'd rather not say. Don't want you to be any more involved than you have to be.
2: Don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. Plus, if you're going to nail that bastard for something, I want to be a part of it.
3: Let me know if you hear anything. That's all I can ask you to do. Maybe give me a call if you see Roddy come around.
2: But I can do more. I'm telling you.
3: This is more than enough. Thanks for the info, Lieutenant. He seemed to be disappointed, like he wanted to be a detective from one of his radio crime dramas. Or he had a mountain of resentment under that amenable exterior. Either way, I handed him my business card and left the station. As I walked out, a few set of eyes followed me. Seems I wasn't completely welcome here. I'm no amateur when it comes to receiving scowls from the worker bees. Since I'm the guy shaking the nest, next stop is the Davis residence. The parents of Roderick.
4: Hey Roddy. You might want to lay low. What do you mean? There's a detective here asking questions about you.
5: Anybody talking?
4: Yeah. It's wise. He was flapping his gums.
5: Leave it to one of them to stir up trouble. Should have gotten rid of him when I had the chance. Alright, thanks. I'll handle it from here.
4: Seemed like I waited a century already for Frank to get back. Under normal circumstances, the fact that Anne was drinking in front of me wouldn't bother me. But right now, the unrelenting stress was opening a long shut door. I decided to leave and just try to catch Frank later. If Anne wasn't supposed to be here in some capacity, she would have never stayed this long.
0: Hey, where are you off to? Aren't you worried I'm some sort of saboteur?
4: I don't have a reason to not trust you. Yet.
0: I want to be honest with them, but... No. Not yet.
4: Not just yet. The lights in the hall flickered and pulsed. This was an old building, but I thought we had new wiring. I opened the door to the stairwell, but when I stepped inside, I was back at Sam's grave. But the sky was a swirling pool of purples and black. There was lightning in the skies, but no rain. The gnarled ancient tree beside the grave was still there, and behind it was the figure from before. The one that offered a way to bring Sam back. Its form was solid, but seemed to evaporate at its edges. The eyes were now even deeper set than before with a soft reddish glow. I said I believed you! Then you just left me! How do I bring Sam back?
5: I I have to make make my preparations. preparations. Bringing bringing back the dead isn't a simple endeavor. Nor is it achievable without sacrifice.
4: can't say I'm surprised. I knew there would be a catch. What do I have to do?
5: I need sacrifices. One of mine. One of body, and one of a soul.
4: What does that mean, exactly? The skies further darkened, and I felt small. Like this was all happening in a snow globe with me, a still figure, in its center. The shade slithered out from behind the tree and took a form behind me. I could not turn. Only rhythmically breathe to the beat of the storm raging above. A cold, bony finger poked at the back of my skull. The, the mind can, can be a haunting place.
5: place. What you've locked away, well, that will be a fine offering.
4: I have to sacrifice my memories? No,
5: though I will need to borrow some to bring Sam back. What you must do is confront all the darkest thoughts inside of you. You will be required to form a resolution. This means either being truly at peace with your inner self. Or being drowned in an infinite whirlpool of madness forever lost in darkest torment. That will be your mind's contribution.
4: How do I do that?
5: We are already here. In your mind. And I must say, Dusty, the odds are not in your favor. The skies are a firestorm, and the ground trembles on the verge of collapse. I wish you luck.
4: Wait! Wait! I was back in the hallway at Lady Justice. The strange entity was gone. I still felt that enclosed feeling. I must still be in my own mind then. I walked toward the door to the office of Lady Justice and pulled the knob. It wouldn't budge for any yanking or twisting. Around my wrist was a bracelet I'd never seen with a strange ornamental charm. What did this have to do with anything? I tried to use the strength of the wolf to bear down on the door, but I couldn't change. The only option I have now is to explore elsewhere. I walked towards the stairway. When I opened the door to them, I was in the alley on the south side of town.
1: Hey, take it easy, okay,
4: Dusty? I need good paying customers to stay alive. I had a syringe in my hand, and a former dealer of mine stared into my eyes with a look of pity and distrust. The look you get a lot as a junkie. If people look at you at all. Even considering the damage I've done, a small part of me still wanted to plunge that sickness into my vein. I tried to throw it down in disgust, but it stuck to my hand. I looked up to find I was in my parents' house. It was dark and quiet. My hands were holding a bag instead of a needle, and my feet couldn't move. A light clicked on and my father entered the kitchen where I stood. Look at you! Is this how I raised you? Get the fuck out of here. Don't ever come back.
0: Dusty, here, take this.
4: My mother, practically glowing like the saint she was, took household belongings out of my sack and put in some of her jewelry and cash from a jar on a high shelf. I felt a white-hot wave of embarrassment wash over me, leaving me humiliated and tingling with regret. My mother never gave up on me, and to be honest, I don't think Dad did either. He just didn't want to be the one enabling me. I left with my parents crying in the doorway. At the time, I didn't even think of how they felt watching their son waste away to nothing. I was just fixated on my next high. It was some time before I got clean, and even though I was welcomed back with loving arms by my parents, I never felt like I deserved it. I still don't see them that often. I'm a completely different person now, but inside I still have a solid core of shame. I fell backward into a pile of garbage bags. Rats and maggots crawled all over my immobile legs as I sunk deeper and deeper into the pile. I need to forgive myself. Not just for this test or sacrifice, for me. I've punished myself far too long. My hand held another's, a strong hand, pulling me from the sinkhole of litter. It was Frank, no judgment, no expectations, just helping a young man succumbing to his habit. He saved me when I was an addict, and now I'm saving myself. The scenery changed again. I was back at the cemetery, hunched over Sam's grave. I saw a needle in my arm. I took it out and smashed it on the ground, along with my regret. The storm in the sky lightened to a dull gray and the clouds wept cold droplets of rain. I looked down at my wrist to see the ornate charm now had a shank attached. It looked like a key without the teeth. I assumed this was a sign I was making progress. I should know, right? It's my own head I'm in. Well done. Some Some may have have been been lost lost forever forever in a cycle of
5: shame. Now, I need the body. You will will have have to to unearth Sam's Sam's corporeal flesh, (laughs) and whatever's left of it. And and you'll you'll have have to make up up for the deficit, deficit as well. Deficit? You'll You'll find Sam's body has decayed these past months. There are components of his form that will be missing. They will need to be replaced. Freshness of the material is paramount. So the more recent the cadaver, the better. Though, the optimal solution would be still living.
4: I... I... I don't, I don't know if I can... The choice is yours. You do, do want, want your friend back.
5: Yes. Yes. You You wouldn't wouldn't want to return return broken and miserable,
4: would you? I guess not. You You have have one day. As he evaporated, so too did my waking nightmare. I was standing alone in the stairwell, checking my watch. Not a single minute had gone by. One day. I had one day to produce a body. Was I sure I could trust that this thing to bring Sam back... Why would it help me anyway? What exactly does it get out of this? The specter cautioned to use a live body or a fresh kill to ensure a smooth transition for Sam's resurrection. I wish I could ask for help from Ulysses, but he would probably try to stop me. I've come this far already and I won't be interrupted.
3: I hadn't seen the Davises in person since I lied and told them their son died a hero. One of the few lies I never regretted afterwards.
1: Frank, can you drop me off here? It's just a couple blocks from Pans, and I would like to lock up and get the coffee brewing in case this is another late night.
3: Yeah, sure. So I guess you'll be hoofing it the rest of the way?
1: (laughs) Uh. Wow, Frank. With humor like that, I'm surprised you've never seen the silver screen. Give Chaplin a run for his money.
6: I'm considering getting out now as well.
3: Alright, alright. I'll swing back around after I chat with Roddy's parents. Au revoir. I hate showing up after all these years just to investigate her son for arson and murder.
6: Maybe we can distract her with nostalgia and get her to spill the beans without you pressing too hard.
0: Oh, did you forget your lunch again? I tell you, if it weren't for me, you would- Oh, hello.
3: Hey, Mrs. Davis, it's-
0: Oh, Frankie Dixon, get your butt in here. And who is this lovely lady? My, you look like an actress. The spinning image of Elizabeth Taylor. You're handsome too, of course, Frankie. That jawline's probably how you landed this girl, huh?
3: <laughs> we are most certainly not an item, Mrs. Davis.
6: Oh, just take the compliment, Frank.
0: Help yourself to some cookies, and I'm gonna fetch us some coffee. Or maybe some lemonade, too. Oh, and tea! I just made some nice tea. Wow, that's been brewing in she the got a lot of moxie.
6: She's
3: You'll got a lot of love and matronly and spirit for anyone like welcomed chocolate chocolate into her home. She was like I a mother like to me you know, after I came I, back I, from the war. No, my I just assumed me. it was because she my lost her son, said, and I was his best boy, friend. But it was more than that. It's who she is. That's sweet, Frank.
6: Maybe one day you'll recall me like that.
3: Stranger things have happened. We shared a smile. Was this the beginning of me truly trusting Cordelia? We've been through a lot in a short amount of time, and even though misguided, she has put herself in harm's way for the good of our ragtag group. I don't know what all she's done in her life. Maybe she never lived with any malice or malevolence but I was open to forgiveness. She's paid her due as far as I'm concerned.
0: Okay, so, here you go. I wasn't sure if you wanted lemonade or tea, so I brought both. Harold loves to mix them, actually, and he swears by it. Thanks,
3: Mrs. Davis. Please, sit down. How have you and Mr. Davis been?
0: We're doing pretty well. Harold is always working, even after retirement. He'll probably work until the day he dies, just like his father. As for me, I feel like I never stop cooking and cleaning, even with all the birds out of the nest.
3: Speaking of your birds, how is Roderick?
0: Oh, you know my Roddy. Trouble seems to follow the poor boy. I wish he wasn't so angry all the time. He needs to find himself a good woman and settle down. Since you and Frank aren't an item, maybe you'd like a date with Roddy. What's your name, dear? Frank was too eager for my cookies to introduce you.
6: I'm Cordelia. And yes, I am single. It sounds like Roderick and I have a lot in common. Can I see a picture of him?
3: I really do underestimate Cordelia's ability to think on her feet. She played the bachelorette well. Ms. Davis produced a photo of Roderick that was clearly almost a decade old. Cordelia feigned positivity at Roderick's underwhelming appearance. At best, he was plain, but given another ten years from the picture, I'm sure his gut and hairline made some adjustments. So, Mrs. Davis, you didn't mention what Roderick was up to.
0: Oh, he's kind of in between jobs right now. Not a very good market right now, so he's been scraping by with security consulting work. So, Cordelia, what do you think of my Roddy? He knows how to treat a lady, and he loves his mother.
6: He seems like he's quite the catch. I'll leave my phone number for him. Was
3: Roderick let go from the fire department?
0: Oh, they were out to get my sweet boy. Treated him like dirt. He was a hero, jumping in fires and saving people, and they just kicked him to the curb. Well, at least he's friends with the mayor, and he wouldn't let them slander my Roddy's name.
3: When was he fired?
0: I'm sorry, kids, but I need to start working on dinner for Harold and Roddy. Frank, thanks for coming to see me. You ought to come by more. I'm sure Harold would love to see you.
3: Surprisingly, Mrs. Davis's hospitality hit its limit. It seemed the mere thought of Roderick and his seedy career sent her into a willful state of denial. We were rushed out of the house. The same house I had a hard time pulling myself away from. I thought about the way her demeanor changed completely. The feeling of shame bubbled, under the tidy surface of her family. She probably invested so much in Roderick since Stephen died. I wish I could have saved him in those trenches. A lot of things could have been different. I may have never gotten gross stress reaction, or... Whatever the hell the medics say made me black out and become violent. Roderick may have stayed on the straight path, Now he's turning into an obstacle in mine. That's enough work for tonight. I'll help Ulysses close up, then check on Anne and her first unofficial day at Lady Justice.
1: Though he isn't getting any funnier, Frank certainly is in better spirits. Wait, why isn't anyone at the bar? Hmm, I see. Hello, goat. This is my bar, Andros. You see that rancor, man? I'm petrified. (laughs) (laughs) I'm warning you, leave now. Gareth, deal with this barnyard animal. Time to settle what we started on that rooftop. I've waited long enough.
5: I'm opening this box now that the key has been restored to its rightful owner. Gareth, you may break him. But don't kill him. Even demons can keep promises. I have my key, so I no longer need to kill you or Frank. So long as you stay out of my way, that is. But of course, you kept it from me. So, some action must be taken. Only God could fashion something so beautiful. Almost brings a tear to my eye. A knife? Looks like something I'll pick my teeth with. What's it do? I'll demonstrate.
6: Oh,
2: oh, Oh, you bastard. What did you do that for?
5: All that power you have is wasted. I'll be taking it from you. I trust you won't need to be a bear to kill such a frail being. After I kill
1: him, I'm coming for you. In that case,
5: that ought to make this more
1: fun. You're giving me a spear?
5: (laughs) Toothpick isn't enough to
1: take me down. You're not looking so good, Gareth. And with the way Andros just treated you, I would consider a temporary truce.
4: Goat's on the menu, boys.
1: Get him. I picked up the spear Andros so graciously bequeathed me, and with him turning away, I knew I stood a chance. I just need to focus and fall back on my teachings. You can only fight from afar for so long before inevitably, the battle is brought to you. I took my time, only counter-attacking, never lunging out. I made sure a wall was to my back as I was already encircled. Wide, swirling sweeps forced them all to give me room and allow me to focus on one at a time. Andrus said not to kill you, but fuck it. He ain't my boss no more. Gareth pulled out his gun and I ran to die behind the bar. Ah! He shot through all the remaining men just to try to hit me. When he emptied the gun, I looked up to confirm the men were dead. I didn't see anyone move. I pulled a shotgun with a sawed barrel from its rack underneath the bar top. Gareth was already rushing me with great force. He must not have lost all his power. I shot my gun. His shoulder barely twitched from the hit, and he barreled forward. (laughs) Crashing through the bar itself, Gareth's indomitable advance threw me back towards my office. (sighs) That one hurt. (sighs) I'm not done with you yet. Gareth picked me up by my torn collar, and I felt the fabric tug and gave way to longer tears. He lifted my pan leg while I was helplessly suspended.
2: I didn't believe him about you being a monster and all, but I guess he's right. are all of your friends freaks.
1: Maybe I ought to mount your heads over my mantle like a trophy. After putting me through a mirrored window behind the bar, I hazily gripped the spear. Partially to fight back, and partially to stabilize myself as I attempted to stand. I thrust it forward, but Gareth turned to the side and disarmed me. <gasps> Holding my spear, he shook his head and snapped the shaft in half. Then he grabbed me, smiling that wretched look of, I've already won. Before headbutting, one, two, three times, his skull collided with mine. A couple more of those, and I'm a goner. Gareth put his giant hands on my throat. The only thing holding me in the air. He squeezed and I felt my light dimming by the second. I swung my arms, looking for something to grab. I was too high up. Unfortunately, this would be my undoing. So, the little
5: pup
4: is
1: back again.
4: That's the last time you will touch my friends. I'm gonna devour you, Gareth. And when I shit you back out,
1: that'll still be better than you deserve!" I rose to my knees, fighting off my body, telling me it was time for sleep. Dusty was standing there, poised to strike with his obsidian fur fluttering in the light breeze. He dashed forward at tremendous speed, launching his hand through the wounds placed by my shotgun. Gareth pulled a large knife from his waist, and with his right hand he plunged it into the wolf's side. Dusty grabbed Gareth's right arm and snapped it asunder. He then lifted Gareth, holding him upside down, and dropped him into the razor sharp mouth. Dusty's jaw clenched, and the sound of Gareth's spine being bitten in half rang from wall to wall, and I turned away in disgust. I don't know if the noises were any better than the vision of the wolf's banquet, but I left him to it. I was gracious that I was saved from the brink of death. Is this what you felt like on that rooftop, Frank? I think... I think I'll rest for a moment.
3: I'd like to thank everyone who backed us on Kickstarter. Starting with our ultimate backers, Hazem Hanana and Eric Manring. Your names will go in the show notes as our sponsors for the season, and we appreciate your dedication to the show. At our siren backer level, Brad Dancer and Kylie Smith. Thanks again for everyone's contributions. You're what keeps us going. Thanks for listening to Neon Shadows. If you want more Neon Shadows, head on over to Neonshadowspod.com or on any social media platform as at Neonshadowspod. Make sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you listen. The voices featured are... Dan Faulkner as Dusty Willis. Amber Wren as Cordelia Amsel. Ian Knowles as Frank Dixon. Tyler Brown as Joe Sutton. Sean Goodrich as Ulysses. Logan Lankowski as News Anchor. Tim Duplissi as Andras. Nate Barham as... The Mysterious Stranger, Liv Manning as Mrs. Davis, Gerald Hill as Lieutenant Wise, David Midas as Roderick Davis, Skylar Giordano as Drug Dealer, Marta de Silva as Anne, and David Alt as Gareth. Original compositions by Skylar Giordano. The theme song is Neon Shadows, performed by Tamburian. Neon Shadows, A Noir Tale was written by Ian Knowles. All rights reserved, Blunderbuss Studios, 2022.